This Tome Show production is supported by listeners like you. Keep using the affiliate links for Amazon and dndclassics.com and support the show while you shop. Welcome to the News Desk. Once a month, we get together to chat about the latest news in D&D, and your two anchors today are Sam Dillon, that's me. And I'm Jeff Greiner, and we're here to talk about the D&D news from March of 2014, although we are a week or two behind our normal schedule of recording. It's actually April now. And with us today is our man on the street, Randall Walker, live from the greatest shops in the multiverse. Randall, how are things over at the Great Realms Mall? I'm poor now. (laughs) (laughs) I done bought everything. Good, good. One of each. That'll give you lots of things to review as we move forward, huh? That's right. (laughs) You'll be prepared as you go into that dungeon. That's right. Any dungeon, any any locale, I've got the tool for the for the trade. <laughs> the Swiss Army adventurer. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Swiss Swiss Army ten foot pole. There you go. <laughs> Let's jump right into the lightning round. Randall, you're up first. So yes, lightning round. Um, yes, it looks like uh, in the world of D and D video game news, um, that update to DDO. I think this is like what twenty one or something like that. And um, um, has been released, and also a free expansion to the Neverwinter um, uh, called Going to Icewind Dale. That goes to Icewind Dale, yeah. Oh, that goes to Icewind Dale. So you folks uh, doing the uh, MMO thing and playing uh, DDO, uh, there you go. Have you ever been tempted (laughs) to, to, to start playing either one of those games? Nope. Ooh. No. That's a firm no. No. And it's not because it's a bad game. It's simply because I don't play MMOs. So. Yeah. The no. DDO uh, intrigued me for a while because of, cause it's free to play. Um, and Neverwinter seems like, in some ways, a better game. So I'm interested in that one as well, except mm-hmm. that I don't do MMOs. And uh, I don't know that either one of them is yet available for the Mac. So it's kind of a moot point. Yeah. So I just don't have time. Yeah, there's that too. I mean, I, I could make time, but it's not something that I want to make time for. You know what I mean? You, you, usually summers <laughs> yeah. are the times that I get to play video games, and that's, I imagine, going to be eaten up very quickly mm-hmm. as I get into uh, this new school program that I'm that I'm doing. So, Well, in August, I get my um, six years uh, no uh, wow Ooh. pen. So, nice. Yeah. You've cut the so cord. I yeah, I won't go back to those. But very good. I like video games. I play them on occasion. I love Skyrim. But um, I won't play the MMO version. <laughs> yeah. it's, too bad that we can't, it's too bad we can't have a really good D&D video game that's not an MMO. I know, and I know MMOs are the thing, and, and they, make a lot, they make the money at this point, they own whatever. But for the rest of us, you know? We yeah. do have one, Jeff. No, you have a pool game. No, <laughs> that has a, no we, have, we have Baldur's Gate. Oh, we do have Baldur's Gate. We do have, and, ba- and, and Baldur's Gate 2. And, and Planescape Torment. Is Torment mm-hmm. out? I don't know, but it still exists in the world. I'm just saying it's it's <laughs> no. there. Because I I would would leave the show right now and go pi- purchase Torment <laughs> if you told me it was it was out and available new. Because that was my favorite D and D game ever. Anyway, anyway, light round. I'm next. Yes. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to talk about D&D in the media. If you are a television fan and you watch the show Community, you probably noticed that uh, they had another Dungeons & Dragons-based episode, and apparently it's pretty good. It was good. I, it was good. I, I don't it. watch 
I don't watch the show. I don't watch any show really, so uh, that's not a knock on community. I just don't watch it. Uh, but apparently, also um, Dan Harmon, the the creator of Community, or at least the 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 creative mind behind the show, uh, has done an interview with Wizards of the Coast. They released that interview as part of their their podcast, so you can go and listen to that and see what he has to say. Apparently, he's a he's a gamer, so uh, that's a good that's a good. Uh, yeah, Dan Harmon bit. actually has his own podcast as well, Harmon Town. And um, as of a year or two ago, they randomly had a DM join them from the audience, and now they have a regular like ten minutes of D anD D at the end of every podcast that they, that they play. Huh. Game. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a different direction, um, the D- Dungeons & Dragons team, the D&D team has been from Wizards of the Coast, has been live streaming their, um, their play of the Scourge of the Sword Coast, the most current encounter season. And there will be an Acquisitions Incorporated uh, game at PAX, which is coming up. Which will and- probably, hopefully, be... Um- Podcasted or streamed on YouTube, right, probably. Probably that's generally what they end up doing. Yeah. So I hope they I'm go assuming. back to the. I hope they go back to the podcasts. I like yeah. the audio for long form like that. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and then Wizards of the Coast, of course, will also be at PAX uh, hosting a couple of panels. I'm not Jeff. Do you know what panels they're doing? Or um, um, they are doing a panel uh, from Chris Perkins is doing a panel ta- previewing Tyranny of Dragons, which is sort of their big leading up to the launch of D and D next event. Um, and then they are doing an R and D presents the art of the dungeon master. So, okay. So just uh, generally talking about dungeon mastering with Jeremy Crawford, Mike Merles, and uh, Chris Perkins, which are three great guys to talk to about that. Sure. Sure. And so you can see that there's a, you know there's a, a wide variety of of new sort of things to watch, listen to, and experience with respect to D and D. There you go. And speaking of new to D&D, uh, that's my topic is to talk about the things that are coming up new to D&D. Um, first of all, The Sentinel, the, the latest book in the Sundering series, um, is, is out now, I think. I think it just came out, like maybe today. Today's a Tuesday, right? That's when books come out. I have no idea when uh, books come out. I got nothing yet. <laughs> no, uh, it, it's 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 either just come out or has or will just be coming out. By the time you you hear this, it's probably out. Um, so that's a thing, and then also, and we will be talking about that on a an upcoming book club. This month we're finishing um, the Reaver, and then next month we'll start reading um, the Sentinel. So look forward to that. And then also they announced. Um, in the last month or so, they announced the next encounter season called Dead in Thay. It starts. The is week- it gonna, is okay. it going to be Dreams of the Red Wizards? Mm. Dead in Thay. I'm, I'm looking at the cover art right now, and the title doesn't look that long, so I'm going to hope not. <laughs> because why would Scourge of the Sword Coast be called Dreams of the Red Wizards? Scourge of the Sword Coast. Yeah, and a, it's part. That's part one. So here's why: because they learned that that's silly, and so they stopped doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I want Shit. Dead in Fae to be an autobiography story about a lich. Uh, there is a lich <laughs> yes. on the cover art. There you go. I I called it. Boom. Well, it is about <laughs> Faye, so that's not as much of a stretch. Well, no, probably not. I knew that. I know that much about the Forgotten Realms. There so. you go. So, so this kicks off uh, the weekend of May tenth, um, and it goes through uh, to almost the end of July. 
Um, and then, you know, I suspect after that we'll probably be doing uh, what was the, the Tyranny of Dragon stuff. I imagine will be the, the next thing coinciding with the launch of Next. Um, it is, they, they say it is, it's a, an adventure that pays tribute to Tomb of Horrors and the ruins of Undermountain and other killer dungeons. Uh, mm. And it continues the storyline from Scourge of the Sword Coast, which we reviewed on this podcast. So if you're not sure if this is the kind of thing that you're, you'd be interested in, whether you're doing it as encounters or just as your own uh, adventure, go check out that episode before you decide to, to drop money on these things. And I suspect we may be reviewing um, Dead and Thay as well when it comes out. Yes, probably. Because ultimately our review, the short version of our review of Scourge of the Sword Coast is it's got some good things, it's got some bad things, and we really don't know if it's salvageable until, you know, the other half of the adventure comes out, which is is this (laughs) one. Like, we don't know how it ends, and and it's not self-contained enough to to run it on its own. So, Does that cover it? I believe so. You know, the description of that as a uh, tribute to Tomb of Horrors and Ruins of Undermountain and all that makes it sound like it's either going to be really awesome or really extremely not (laughs) awesome. (laughs) I just sort of assumed that meant it was going to be a massive dungeon crawl. um, Well, and that's what I mean. That could turn out to be really awesome or very sub-awesome. Yeah. I think, I, they're, I think they're also making some implications about the level of deadliness, because the very next sentence is, the monsters, traps, and hazards in the adventure create a deadly challenge. See, that's the comparison right there. I don't consider Tomb of Horrors a massive dungeon crawl. No, it's not, but mm-hmm. Ruins of Undermountain is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that one definitely is. So. Which yeah. is interesting, because, I mean, other than that they're both dungeons, those two I wouldn't have put in the same category. Mm, no, Tomb of Horrors, deadly. Mm-hmm. Ruins of Undermountain, massive dungeon crawl. Not as not nearly as deadly though. Anyway, yeah. anyway, and actually, it does look like Dreams of the Red Wizards is on the front of the cover, above where it says Dead and Thay. Is it? I can't yeah, see. It looks it's so looks like tiny. it. There's something there. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll find anyway, we'll find yeah, out in a few weeks out. when it comes out, right? Yeah. All right. So let's take a quick break and remind you that we that if you want to support the show, consider heading over to thetomeshow.com. Use the affiliate links there for D&D Classics and Amazon. You get the same great experience from both stores, but they know how you got there. They know you came through us, and they give us a little cut of the profits. It doesn't affect the prices or the service that you receive. It just helps us uh, get the, th- the things we need to, to continue getting review products, getting equipment upgrades, and keeping our show producers happy. Now into the in-depth topics. Randall? Yes. You are first on the list, and I am vamping while I open up the clock and go. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, for the first topic, I'm going to discuss the Legends and Lore article from the 17th of March, and that was – and I'm not going to tell you the title of this because the title (laughs) really doesn't match the um, uh, the actual article. There's one word in in the title that's relevant. Well, maybe. <laughs> but um, nevertheless, the gist of the article is how to um, how to develop the story behind every every monster. Does every monster need one? How are they related? Um, it gives a great example of um, uh, a simple monster named, uh, you know, a low-powered monster called a jackalware. And it talks about how they were created by the demon lord Gratz um, as a... Uh, uh, servants for Lamias, which are also his servants. And so that's um, a pretty sophisticated story, but the idea here is that 
even if you don't use Gratz or even if you don't see Lamias as being relevant, you've got something that you can use Jackalwares for. You kind of have an idea of what their purpose is. Um, you know, it gives a, a, a I don't want to say a background is probably too um, in depth for what he's talking about, but it gives you some kind of uh, um, what's the word I want? Context. That's the best way to maybe to put it. Some kind of context for the monster within the game. Um, and uh, the article goes on to say that, you know, not every monster will have that. Uh, some of them, you know, are, you know, pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. Right. Exactly. And, and, and you don't need anything like that. But particularly hey, monsters. It, hey, maybe... it's a lion. We don't need to tell you what a lion is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know, um, <clears throat> you probably don't need a lot of background on green slime. <laughs> you know, um, it's slimy and it's green. And there you go. But um, but that's basically what the article is about. I definitely um, recommend uh, giving it a full read. But um, but you gotta know what you're getting into because I mean yeah. when I the, first of all you're right the title which is whose story is it anyway has nothing to do with anything that you're reading. Yeah. Uh, and and as I got through the first half of it, I thought they were going to talk more about how they were injecting flavor and the balance between stat blocks and, and mm-hmm. flavor text and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's not any of that. And really what they did was the opposite, right? They said, look, we're keeping stats completely separate so that if you want to update an older adventure, you all you have to do is slip stats and you don't have to worry about story. So we're keeping that totally separate from the actual story of this. And in the story, we're going to strike a balance between what we did in 4th edition, like the, the monster vault, the Ninja Vale monster vault that had right. big, big backstories. Late 4th late edition. E, yeah, late 4th edition. And 2E, where they had these huge, you know, in the monstrous manual for 2E, it was the huge ecology write-ups and all that. They're trying right. to sort of blend those in, but not connect it to the abilities of the creature so that you're not required to use that story part of the creature, which is why I think they named it that. Mm-hmm. But it's not a good title for the article <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really yeah. but that's basically the gist so so um, do we like it's an interesting one is it is it moving in a good direction are we happy with what they're doing oh i think that's an excellent plan for it to yeah. me and of course i go way back but it reminds me of the first monster manual mm. there's just enough story to make it interesting yeah it's, enough, it's a tricky it, balance too right? yeah it is. Well, it's it's enough of a, it's a couple of hooks that you know if you're just you pick up the the monster manual and you breeze through two or three entries, you might read something that that jumps out at you that that creates this idea in your head that you use at the table, and that's exactly the right amount. You know, yeah, you don't but, need you know you don't need to have five pages of write up about every right. monster. You might yeah. want that in a specialty monster that you're going to use as maybe yeah. the big bad. Maybe but Orcus every gets monster, a couple pages. You know? Right, Orcus is going to get more than a paragraph, but you don't need you know, like you said, you don't need three pages on lions. Right, right. Yeah, no, and, exactly. and it's and it's it's a careful balance to strike. Right, I, I think in fourth edition, early fourth edition, they erred on the side of we want to get we want people to get their money's worth. So the more monsters we can put into a book, the more valuable it is to them. So let's keep the the entries short. Mm-hmm. But I think do, the most important thing you said in that sense was they erred. No, sure, that was an error. <laughs> I mean, to the to the point that that you know they didn't they don't even anywhere yeah. in the early fourth edition stuff like discuss. What a dragon's breath weapon is, and that's a pretty iconic thing about dragons in D anD. d is you know the the lightning bolt breath of the the blue dragons and the cone of chlorine acid from the green dragons and and all that kind of stuff. That's pretty iconic, um, you know. But none of that was even mentioned. It was just you know 
it was it, in it, the stat it, block it, well, somewhere. Buried. But it wasn't even this in the stat block. It was just you know it happened to do, do lightning damage or it happened to do yeah. acid well, damage or whatever. I mean. That's why I mean buried. And, and that's not the same, right? Or at least right. yeah. Anyway, yeah. I ranted on it during fourth edition. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. The um, the final thing I'll say here is that the example he gives is really really good because you, like I said, you have three different elements there that you can use at any level of your campaign that you want. Um, substitute a different demon lord. Um, maybe the Lamias have another purpose in your campaign. You know, maybe. But all that aside, you still know that Jack Awares are these are usually subservient to something else, and you know have a specific type of um, uh, um, mo that they use when they're you know when they're fighting you. And uh, one of the things he says up above is that. Um, you know, they want the background or they want the monster uh, calls it stories. I'm not sure I care for that term, but um, he wants them to be inspirational and, you know, to be useful in a crunch and interesting to read. And that is one of the things that is I'm really interested to see when I actually get the book or however, whatever form that's in, because the very first D&D hardcover book I ever bought was the monster manual. Hmm. I bought it before the player's handbook. I bought because um, I had a, my dungeon master already had the previous two books, had the dungeon master's guide and the player's handbook. We were poor junior high school students at that point. I saved up all my allowance and I bought the monster manual because none of us had that. And it was absolutely fascinating just to read. And um, sure, there were a lot of monsters from mythology and, and things like that, and from Tolkien and everywhere else. Um, that they lifted inspiration from. And while you might have some idea on those kind of things, some of the other monsters and original monsters, you didn't really have an idea what they were. And there was just enough to make it really, really interesting and intriguing more than anything else. And I hope that's what they can catch um, in this new version. It's got to be just interesting enough to make you go, huh, that could be cool. But without pigeonholing you or cornering you into having to use the creature in a certain way, um, and uh, you know, I I wish them luck. I hope they can manage to pull it off. All right, you had another topic in two and a half minutes on the clock. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes, real quickly. Um, I also took uh, a gander to the, this time around at the uh, uh, Q and A for the twenty eighth of this uh, last month, and. Um, uh, the three questions asked here, one was, uh, will we see different versions of the same monster like a goblin shaman and a goblin warrior? Um, long story short, um, maybe with some creatures if they have an interesting reason to do that, you know, like drow or some, something like that. Um, yeah, I, sort of, I sort of interpreted that one as yes, but not to the degree we did in fourth, where everything yeah, that, had to have f- 15 versions. You know, That's exactly how I interpreted it as well, and that's fine with me. Quite frankly, I thought it was kind of annoying that they had so many with some of them. Yeah. It's like, I mean, cut it, that it, down a little bit. It makes sense for the sentient yeah. creatures to have multiple types, and the others, not always. Yeah, exactly. Um, the second question, uh, does the game still have exotic armor types that you can purchase? It looks like they've um, kind of removed those from the main equipment list, and they're going to reserve them for treasures and things like that. So that's probably not a bad thing either. I think the few, um, And as we uh, talk a little bit more about gear... Um, they are uh, also talking about um, 
whether or not gear package will be gear packages will be enforced. And I'm not going to go into a great so deal. We're going to walk answer. all over Sam's topic. Jeez. No, 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 no. no. That's what he's going to say. He's gonna that's ask. what I'm about to say. I know. Rand- Randall and I communicate, Jeff. Yeah, no, and I get so that. So we know, and then I get to crack the jokes. Right. Yeah. Um. But that actually segues into Sam's topic, and they explored a little bit more in his um, in his in depth. So I'm going to hand it over to Sam. He's gonna and he's gonna give you 46 extra extra seconds from his time. Wow, see, Randall is so generous. I'm telling you, it is um, the will of Ramdu. That is right. <laughs> the will of Ramdu has spoken. Um, well, I am discussing the Legends and Lore article from uh, March. I was going to say September. Wow, wow, where am I at? Uh, sep- <laughs> I'm doing it again. Uh, March 24th. And that article is entitled Shop Till You Drop. And in this case, it actually does describe what the article talks about. And um, here's how it goes. The the, um, premise that the article is written on is that uh, character creation takes too long. And that there are two reasons for that. Number one is because um, in previous editions – Lots and lots and lots of choices had to be made at first level. Well, in the in the previous two editions, right. let's say, um, lots of choices had to be made at level one, and that was very difficult for new players, and so it would take a long time. And the second reason was because buying things took too long, especially for new characters or new players, because they didn't know what to buy. They didn't have enough experience to know. Especially, you know, especially right before Christmas at the mall, man. Yeah, right before Christmas. (laughs) Um, And so because that's problematic for new players, you know, one of the things that they really have at least been trying to focus on is making the game very approachable for new players, not just players, new players for this edition, but new players all all together um, that have never played a D&D game or any other role-playing game before. They want it to be very approachable. So in order to cut down on some of the sort of front-end work, they have addressed this problem in two ways. The first way is um, to take lots of choices away from the first-level generation. So that's why you get the really truncated first- and second-level characters. They're sort of the beginning levels. And you really don't have a huge amount of choices to make. Um, and it also depends on which optional things that you add to your game, but that's another story. It, you really don't have any choices to make until third level. So that's one way to fix it. The second way to fix the whole problem and what this article is mostly focused on is the fact that um, if players don't know what to buy, we need to show them how options will fit together. And so what they've done is they have taken the sort of typical previous edition default of you get a starting set of money and you go buy stuff. And that is now the optional way to allow your um, new characters to equip themselves. And now the new default, in other words, what the new sort of rules as written version is going to be is going to consist of two things. First, you will have – when you pick your background during character creation, your background will come with – certain things, basic tools of the trade, basic items that you would have just from knowing the things that you know from living your life up through young adulthood. Um, and then whatever class you pick will also come with a similar sort of pieces of equipment. So, But that's going to depend not only on class but on 
the on certain choices you make. So there there will be a list of options, and you will pick a character pack. You know, you might be a, a dungeoneering type person, a dungeon engineer or something, and that's going to have you know very different equipment in your starting pack than a wilderness ranger walker, right? Mm-hmm. So so that that's going to have a little bit of uh, then. But there's some choices. It's not just here you get this because one of the things uh, that he also said early on was if you go to a system where you have people just pick a kit the kit's like a straight jacket if that's all you can pick so they're trying to sort of strike a balance between full on here's some money go to the store and buy whatever you want and here is your one choice of adventurer's kit you know which right. doesn't have a lot of options so and that's tricky um, too right i mean there's some and that's tricky there too there's some classes like like the fighter for example where your weapon choice can kind of define your character you know right uh, well and, and he mentions that within classes you know for weapons and armor your starting gear also needs a little bit of options you, he, it's not it's not meant to be a straight jacket at all it's not going to be oh every new fighter because new players don't know what they want so every new fighter has to have a long sword it's not like that yeah. it's more like like here are your options. If you're a fighter, here's the general equipment that every fighter would have, and then here's some options for the different types of weapons and armor that you might have. Now, and this, this, uh, the, I was going to say, I also got a little bit of mixed messaging um, in terms of what was the default and what was the option. Uh, but I think the larger point they're making is you have options. You can do it either way. Right. You can do the kits, or you can do the I'm going to go shopping and here's all my gold. You know, like like Randall is doing like, right well, now at the mall. Was, well, that's that's the thing is they said that that is the new optional rule though. If your GM says, or if your DM says, here here's your roll up your starting money and go to the store, that's what you can do. It's totally up to the mm-hmm. to the DM. But there's also a pretty extensive. There's going to be a pretty extensive setup here for newer players or DMs that don't want to just allow that that that, because they might say here's your starting kit there you go right there's going to be a variety of options around that and now you you start to see where the page count's going to come from in the player's handbook right right well so and then the last the last thing that he mentions in here is that there will be a a sort of uh random list that you a random table that you can roll for of weird or and or mundane trinkets that you might have gathered during your time of you know when you were growing up and they may or may not have any sort of special anything about them that that's up for to you and the dm to decide you may or may not sell that thing or keep it or it's it's completely up to you but what it does is gives a little teeny tiny hook of some sort of backstory that this character has and you can play off of it or not you don't have to worry about it at all they're not they're not really expensive items they're not um you know meant to cause you to have to be a certain way you're carrying uh, the finger bone of a bugbear how'd you get that right. you know yeah how'd you get that you know and so so that's i thought that was pretty interesting and the last thing in the article that he said um was also relatively interesting he acknowledges that you know even in the past decade gaming has changed an awful lot and mm-hmm. um you know, he he tries not to ascribe blame. You know, he says, "Oh, you know, it's it, you you could say you could write it off as a purely a digital trend that you know things are getting faster and gamers are, are you know connected to the internet and all of that has led to this huge change." But you know, it's not just that. It's it's just the fact that the game is developing and and people want different things and people grow up and young people come into the game and so there's a lot of different things going on there um and i thought it was pretty interesting that he acknowledged that uh 
that there's been a lot of change. And, 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 that's I, a, and I think their solution is actually really interesting in terms of mm-hmm. um, not power loading all the choices into first level, but that, making those first three levels be your kind of character building levels, which gives right. you several sessions to slowly build up the character and make little mm-hmm. choices over the course of a couple sessions. I think that's right. in, in, intriguing. A um, couple of things. The the one about the trinkets, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's amazing. I love it um, as an option, I, not a, not as a default. Um, I will do it all the time. <laughs> I will roll on that table and I will give the player the option of, do you want this item or not? Um, and hopefully they will do something creative with it. That would be the idea. Um, the other thing is that I, I have to say I'm in love with the way that they're doing this. Um, of course, it'll be my luck that I'll get players that say, well, what if I just want to substitute one thing? Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, oh, crap. And it'll be like, no. <laughs> So I'm going to give the players an option. Either you can run it all yourself or you take the package deal. And it sounds like the package deals are flexible where it comes to weapons and armor. You can well, choose package, like several combinations. The, yeah, the, so. the package deal is not going to be like here. Here's your package. It's going to be like like a Chinese menu. Okay, you get a couple right, things from right, column right, right. A, a couple things from column B, and a couple things from column C. And the portions of column B that you have access to depend on what you picked in column A. Mm-hmm. And the portions in column C depend on what you picked in column B. You know, so I mean, You could have yeah, a whole exactly. chapter of just yeah. different equipment packs. That's where I'm saying right. the page count is going to come in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. It doesn't. I don't get that that sense though. I get the sense that they have a pretty relatively. Spe- I mean, it's not going to be thirty pages of this. It, it's going to be a relatively compact little set of tables. Three, three um, to and, three to and, six and, options for for each class or something like that. I think would be in line. Um, but I don't. Th- I, I'm. Yeah, maybe, but. I mean, plus, I, don't know. I mean, but, for, they, but they could do it if for the they're going to do that. Ones. Then you're going to have the background-based ones. But and, you're you know. not necessarily going to have one for every single, like, you know, every single class and subclass and background and all that. You you might have, you know, um, ones for warrior-based classes. Here are your three options. My you know, understanding the tricks, what... tricksters, that name we hate. Here are your three options, <laughs> you know. Mages, here are your three options, that kind of thing. I mean, they, under- they could... Do it lots of different ways. Sorry, Randall, go ahead. Um, that's okay. My understanding was that the background packs were fixed, and then the mm-hmm. um, yes. class yeah. was basically weapons and armor choices. That's what my understanding was. And that um, no, there's some there's some equipment. It's not just weapons and armor. Okay, there's All equipment right. that comes so. with the classes, but in the in the backgrounds, it's. It, it is the background is I, – I get the feeling that the background is here's your paragraph of information about that background, why you would take that. And then here's the feats that would be associated with that, the skills that would be associated with that, and here's right. the equipment that you start with if you choose this one. And most of so that equipment, I, I don't think that equipment that's will optional. probably be, will be more flavor equipment. Most right, of right, right. Yeah. It, it will be, right. And, and then the class is, yes, there are options for weapons and armor, but there's also useful equipment that you would have, right. you know, like like – you know, rangers might have a, a animal trap or something. Yeah, right. I'm just making it up, but you wizards, know what I'm saying. Wizards will have chalk, and wizards are going to have chalk, or or a, a you know a, a robe that has lots of little pockets or whatever. You know, so and there's the duck. All right, well there you go. The duck has spoken. The duck has spoken. All right, so that gives me ten minutes, and I'm going to talk about the last wandering monsters article, and then by that I don't mean. The previous Mon- Wandering Monsters article. I mean, the last one. <laughs> he seems to be done with it, and and honestly, I feel like he's kind of been done with it for a while. Um, 
Mm. You know, because he hasn't really been doing Wandering Monsters for the last, what, month or so. Right. Prior to this one. Uh, so this one was sort of his wrap-up, sort of a, you know, I've been collecting all this data, and what did we learn? Um, you know, all the polls that he had at the end of every at, at the end of every article, he's now sort of combined all that together and said, you know, what, what have we figured out? And he has this massive chart of all the monsters or types of monsters they learned about or they talked about. And you can click on it for a, a, a bigger view of it, which is, is pretty uh, interesting as you see, you know, how popular or how close they got to what people envisioned for each one. Right, and he's mostly looking at red and blue versus green and and purple, because the green and purple were the the didn't you know f- way far off from what I what I want to have in that monster, and the green mm-hmm. or the red and and blue were more of the this is getting closer to what I wanted. The blue is like right on, um, you know, because there's a few of them where I feel like making the distinction of how. Sh- like the red goes a long ways, but the blue is really short, and I think that mm-hmm. should be worth noting for them as well. I don't want them to ignore that and say, "Well, mo- you know, a lot of people thought you were pretty close." Well, that's true, but nobody really thought you nailed it. So make sure you do some mm-hmm. tweaks. You know, um, you know, some of the the more popular ones I'm looking at skeletons were pretty well nailed. Um, any more hippogriffs? They pretty well nailed. Um, what do I Sturges. see? Purple worm. Yeah, Sturges, purple worms. Mm. Um, the living traps. No, but green dragons. Green dragons ha- are, are relatively large. Green dragons, yeah, decently um, right on, on target there. The, the less um, successful, I guess, attempts include golems. <laughs> Um, you got a high rating of not not happy with it. Um, the good beasts section was easily their their least popular. It was the only one that made it yeah. over over fifty percent. Um, right. The flump uh, people didn't like the flump that they'd presented. Um, was it the was it the aboleth or the demons that they also didn't? Um, the aboleth. The Abeleth looks okay. The demons right next to it look like they didn't get very good. Um... No, I think you're looking at Abeleth. Is it Abeleth? Oh, okay, yeah, I, I can't Abeleth. tell on the. It's, it's picture, a little but... tricky to tell. I think that's Abeleth. Yeah. That that I mean, they've got sixty-two, sixty-three percent that that said that it was you know okay or pretty close. Um, but there's a really tiny little blue section there. So that you're yeah, that's one mm-hmm. of the ones where they're, sent, they're being sent a very clear message. You didn't get this down. Right? Yeah, you may have gotten it fairly close, but you didn't get this figured out. So make sure you look at that. You know, um, you know he had some interesting thoughts on the good aligned beast as well. He he discussed that one in the article, uh, and he thought maybe some of the reason that um, that it didn't score very high is because not a lot of people really use good aligned creatures very much. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just not as interesting, so they don't grab people as much. Um, I'm not sure that I by that reasoning because that's not the question, right? The question is how close did you get it to my vision? Right. Not do I like this, you know? Uh, And so I think it's worth saying that that might mean they didn't really nail that vision well. Not not they didn't make it a good creature, you know? And that's hard to do, too. I mean, good-aligned creatures, I, I want to have good-aligned creatures in the Monster Manual. Um, the ones he chose to talk about in that article are not the most engaging or interesting good-aligned creatures to me. 
Right. What are those? At least some of them. What were uh, they? The Baku, which I don't even know what that is. Yeah, it's a monkey thing. Okay. Go on. The Quaddle. Yeah. Eh, the yeah. Ho- the Hollyfant. Oh, yeah. The Kirin, which uh, I, I have some affinity for. Which Kirin. is basically a flying Pegasus that's fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, a flying uh, unicorn Pegasus mix that's fancier. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Lamassu, which I can. I've done some stuff with the Lamassu. Yeah. Uh, moon dogs, which I don't have a lot of interest in. in. Opinicus? I don't know what that is either. Yeah, those are all old monsters from uh, the mm-hmm. original Monster Manual. The, the Phoenix, which is a, sort of a classic good creature. Yeah. And, and the Shedu. Yeah. Which is Mesopotamian originally, isn't it? The Shedu? Yeah, so is the Lamassu and the. Well, yeah. the. And the. Yeah. Uh, there's another one too. Opinicus. So, yeah, Opinicus, I think, is, in the, from, uh, is one of those. Uh, so, yeah. If not, yeah. So yeah, I th- I, th- I thought the it's nice to see the 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 thought that's going into it and the analysis. Um, I, hope, I hope they have a decent team of people that are all sort of looking at it and discussing these things, not just um, mm-hmm. not you know because it's easy for one person to sort of draw some conclusions. It's a lot more meaningful when you have a, a, a wealth of people drawing conclusions. But also, um, he didn't just use the the polls, and, and I think that's worth noting as well. He talks about how they also use the comments. So if you're commenting on the articles, you know they're reading those comments and, and taking some of that anecdotal. And you know, and you, you know a good anal- analyzer of surveys has to understand that these kinds of things are anecdotal. They don't necessarily mm-hmm. represent what most people are thinking, but it can help you understand those numbers. You know, oh, that was really low in this area. Maybe the comments will help me understand why. What are people saying about it? Um, you know. So I think that's worth noting as well. And and he discusses some of the things they learned about um from the comments and, and all that, you know, the 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 idea of a lot of the humanoid races, the gnolls, the the goblins, the bugbears, and that they don't quite work the way they, they want them to be, and here's why. So uh, that was cool. Uh, and he also there were some other sort of multiple choice questions that he asked that um didn't fit into the do you like this monster sort of thing and so he talks a little bit about those um he had one that he he shows the chart on for the cosmology and just you know they discussed a certain type of cosmology and you know 11 percent said no use the great wheel 14 percent said no use the fourth edition planes uh two percent said no i don't use planes so i don't care uh, but seventy-two point five percent seem to think you know the version of the planes that he presented w- was you know pretty close on target to what they want to do. So we could probably assume they're going to have that version of the planes or or some derivation thereof. Um, and then he talks about you know sometimes the data wasn't so clear. The question of succubus is it a de- de- demon or a devil? Well, thirty-three percent said demon. Thirty-two percent said devil. <laughs> yeah, and twenty-nine percent they play both sides. Twenty-nine percent says they do both. Um, yeah. So that was, you know, I, I, I'll be interested to see where the succubus goes. My gut is it'll go to where it used to be because that's sort of, you know, going back to the mm-hmm. embracing their past sort of thing. Um, and then there's the issue of the dragonborn, which is interesting as well. Uh, and he asked, you know, sort of what was your favorite story from the dragonborn? Um, and the most popular one was um, they're basically uh, a half dragonish sort of thing. Am I remembering that option right? Because they could cut it off here. Um, but I'm, yeah, it says they're born from, born from the union of a humanoid and something else, right? <laughs> which so, you, I, which I think has to yeah. assume that the, you know they're basically half dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, which 
is an okay story, but but very different than what we've had recently. Like they he they highlighted um, all the fourth edition sort of uh, derivations of Dragonborn, uh, and they get fifteen percent, seven percent, twelve percent, one percent. You know the the born from the unsanctioned dragon eggs, which I think is more a der- derivative of Dragonlance, right? Mm. That sounds more like the Draconians of Dragonlance. Mm-hmm. Or corrupted, born from corrupted dragon eggs is another one. Those only got nine and ten percent. Um, you know, and, and honestly, I think what what I my take on looking at this is, I'm not sure that they really nailed any of them. You know, even the big one got only got twenty six percent, which is not a huge mandate. Yeah. So. I have never cared for dragon porn anyway. Well, so. and that, what I was going to say is I think the reason <laughs> it's such a, a wide variety of responses there is because I'm, I think a lot of people don't care about Dragonborn. I think they don't use them in their mm-hmm. campaigns and such because they just don't – it's not something they do. Well, and there's no archetype. Well, no archetype. They're just made up. Right. And that's 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 another thing, right? Is that well, and that's what the question's about, though, is, okay, where'd they come from? And there's not even any agreement on anything because there's no archetype. Because there's no archetype. exactly right. But, yeah. that, but that's part – I mean, part of what we're seeing here, though, is it's a little bit, a bit dragonborn-ish here, right? I mean, we're, we're – there are many, many races in D&D. Do we know the origins of most of them? <laughs> Why do we have to know the origins of Dragonborn? You know, do, I don't. I couldn't yeah. tell you off the top of my head uh, exactly how the elves were made. I can, you know, I can make up some elven creation myth if you want. Um, but you know, there's no definitive. This is how how elves are made, or dwarves are made, or hu- where humans come from, or whatever. Why does there have to be such a thing for Dragonborn, except for the whole are they half dragons? Because in mm-hmm. my mind, there's dragonborn and there's half dragons, and they're not necessarily the same thing. And I could see how you could make them the same thing, because because in second edition, I enjoyed playing half dragons now and then. You know, uh, but Jeff, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to disagree. The reason they have to come up with a story for dragonborn is because there's no cultural weight behind it. Elves, you've got that. You've got dwarves. You've got a whole raft full of literature that has these things listed in it. Elves, dwarves, gnomes. And quite frankly, you've got it. I mean, the main classes of D and D all rely. I mean, not classes. The main races of D and D all rely on Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> and and saying anything else, is, you're kidding yourself because that's what it is. And, and that's fine. And you could add to that. But my point is that anything you do add to that that doesn't have some kind, you would be better off putting in pixies or something like that that has some kind of historical reference point. And I, I don't think you you don't have that with Dragonborn, and that's why there's an imp- have, you have to have that extra you have to go that extra mile to try to rationalize their existence. Well, and the and I'd the, argue the same thing for Tieflings too. Oh, sure. And, and the one sort of um, touch point we do have with Dragonborn is, I mean, if you want to go that route and the, the route this poll goes is if you want to connect it back to Second Edition with with the Half Dragons, right? And then it gives it a little bit of the historical context because that was. Uh, an element of a of a whole campaign setting, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I just in my mind, I had never made the connection that Dragonborn and Half Dragons were the same thing because because one's a half creature and you know a half race, and the other one is its own independent race, right? So now, if you're going to have both in a campaign, then you get to weird things because can you have a half dragon Dragonborn um, and all that kind of stuff? And and I don't know. 
I don't know what the what the answer is. I don't know what the solution is, and I don't know what to to, to do with Dragonborn. I think Tieflings honestly are a little bit easier. Um, there are some archetypes for for humans that are touched uh, yeah. touched by and the infernal and changed and all that kind of stuff. Changelings and that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think I could agree. I I would agree with you there probably. I yeah. But, um, yeah. In any case, my time ran out. Any other thoughts on uh, the very last ever Wandering Monster article? Um, I think that it was interesting to see that he was tracking everything. And, and I almost think that this article is just kind of – I'm going to sound so sarcastic here. But it's kind of just an article to show, hey, look, we really are – listening to you you know we are we are we are taking your comments into account and your feedback into account this wasn't just you know a a a poll to see how many people will respond you know so i i don't think it was really all that informative to be perfectly honest i think the like you said earlier the examples he chose are are simply a very tiny such a tiny portion of everything that it's Mm -hmm. it's merely anecdotal and it really doesn't tell us anything truly about What's going to be in the first monster manual? Of, yeah, of and, the and he edition. did make he did make it a point in the in the questions for the surveys and stuff to be maybe overly pithy than one would be if they were trying to collect hard data. You know, yeah. he was he was, he was trying to put some humor in the answer options and the questions and that kind of stuff, which is fine if you're doing it for fun. But if you're doing it for really hard data, eh, your data is going to be be a little messed up, right? Because some people are going to pick the thing that they think is funniest, regardless of the answer, too, right? Right. So. Right. Like the succubus that plays both sides, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's all, all the right. time we have for this episode. And we're, we're going to wrap it up quick. 45 minutes in. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there hasn't been a lot going on. It, it's going to be the quiet before the storm. I think um, once new things start getting really st- – you know, come things get you know when they start doing uh, what do they call them previews? When they start doing actual previews of yeah. actual pages, right. actual content. Because right now, all these articles are just oh, here's what we're thinking about, and here's why we're talking about this decision, and here's the things we're be- trying to balance. Yeah, it's interesting because like half of the Legends and Lore articles this this month were. Um, updated information about what we're doing with different classes and we Mm -hmm. we didn't choose to Mm -hmm. talk about a single one of those right Uh, sorcerer warlocks fighters what are those who cares monsters (laughs) partly because i mean seriously who does care i mean at this point it's kind of like well we can't play with those things that he's talking about right now anyway well the public play test can't so you know it's just sort of okay we're sitting in limbo he's just talking about stuff to get a conversation going but honestly none of those really tell us what the final product is going to be yeah. They tell us that some iteration. I mean, you know, it's I sort of when I read these articles, I get the sense at least the legends and lore ones. You know, these are things that they decided weeks or months ago. That's this. I'm, I know I'm probably wrong a little bit, but that's the kind of sense I get. That oh well, at one point we were talking about this, and here are the reasons why we discussed this. And so this is some insight into our when we were developing the game. Because in my mind, they've got to be almost done. I mean, they have to be done right now if they're going to give us a player's handbook in August. They're done. So yeah, he be. can't, you know, he talks about it as though, oh, just last week we were sitting in a meeting and we were talking about the design of this thing. And yeah. it's kind of like, mm, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I, I'm probably wrong a little bit. I'm, I'm a little cynical about this, but, you know. I want to say, it's, it, been, it's been several years since I talked to him about, about their publishing time. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to say at the time, they, I think Mike Merles, I talked to about it 
briefly, and it was probably three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to say he he said that they could do a publishing r- uh, round in about three months' time, so, which means right. they still have a, a you know until the end of April to make any last minute adjustments and tweaks. So they could still be talking about right. something. They're not no it's no they're not April eighth. Yeah, I mean they're they're <laughs> in, you know they, they didn't just no. develop the warlock. You know, no, that's been done. <laughs> you know, but but they might still be making a few tweaks here and there. Yeah, but these things we're talking about are not tweaks. No, no, no. That's my point. Like, you know, the things that that they're that he's talking about are things that for the most part were settled. They're not tweaks. And it's interesting to see see some of the wild reactionaries in the comment sections too. Oh, you're go- you're going to completely Im- it's it's all 4th edition now or oh, it's all 3rd edition right. now or oh, I thought you were going to go back to 1st edition and and yeah. and bring me the game I used to love or whatever. It's like right. well, first of all, y- you have no idea what they're doing. You're just seeing one teeny tiny little segment, and you're not even yeah. seeing it. You're not seeing any of the text. You know. Second of all, let's wait till we have the whole thing before you judge it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean that's the you know their internet comments anyway. Yes, but I believe that the future yeah. could have a better internet where people aren't crazy reactionaries. You're a glass half full kind of guy, Jeff. I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank uh, you guys, our our listeners, our wonderful, wonderful listeners, whom we value a great deal, for supporting us by shopping at Amazon and dndclassics.com through our affiliate links, because that's how they know that you came through us. Uh, and you can find those links at thetomeshow.com. Also, you can find show notes and other great Dungeons & Dragons shows over at thetomeshow.com. And if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at thetomeshow at gmail.com. And you can also call us at the biz line nine one nine biz tome. Oh, I have news. We don't, we don't get we don't get very many phone calls. Do we I have got any phone calls? I got a phone call a couple oh. uh, like last week. Oh, that's awesome. You guys are the first ones I've told. <laughs> All right. All right. So mm. in, until next time, this is Jeff <laughs> Griner signing out for myself, Sam Dillon, and our man over at Aurora's Whole Realms Emporium, Randall Walker. Five for that. You must be mad. <laughs> Keep rolling, Tomites. 